1: Hello, and welcome to This is Labor in California, a podcast from Ogletree Deacons, where we bring you a monthly overview of traditional labor issues in California, along with how employers may be handling those issues. I'm Maria Anastas, based in our Los Angeles office, and I'm joined again by my colleague Daniel Ablong in Orange County. Last month, we skipped our recording because we were both um, tied up with other firm events. Um, And so we have decided to uh, record this month based on a very significant development at the National Labor Relations Board. And we're gonna talk through the implications um, of that development here in California. So I'm gonna let you, Daniel, kick us off.
2: All right, well, thanks, Maria. What's happening dates back to former General Counsel Peter Robb. He took an aggressive stance against the use of Scabby the Rat. Scabby is very distinctive. It is a rat that the union posts up at different locations. Big rat, distinctive bloodshot eyes, sharp teeth, and scab-colored underbelly. And the unions do this as a means of protesting. Peter Robb had pursued complaints that were saying that this was unduly coercive. And there was a complaint that he filed against um, the operating engineer's Local 150. There's another one that he had filed against the IBEW in Local 98. So long story short, these complaints are pending, seeking to have the use of the rat be determined to be unlawful. And Peter Orr recently filed two motions. And the motions are to seek to have these complaints withdrawn. And so what happens is, is now this motion to have these complaints withdrawn are before the board. And the board will not automatically just have the complaints sent back to Peter or for dismissal because there's already litigation that has um, been pursued. It still remains to be seen whether or not it will come back. In my mind, I always think that board member Marvin Kaplan seems to be not somebody who's just so directly management oriented, but is about as even keel as they come. So I think it remains to be seen what's going to happen. And, and it's a big question with respect to how member Emmanuel or member Ring will, will side on this. And so if it comes back, I think it's, it will be consequential for employers everywhere, and especially in California. And whether or not it does or does not come back, it's a consequential move because it portends what Peter Orr and his approach to this in the future. So I think this is a big deal because of the California Moscone Act and what that means to us as business owners or representing business owners with private property.
1: I think this development is, is significant for employers you know, across the country. And in particular, when you're dealing with the construction trade unions, but obviously in California, we have a unique wrinkle here. And that's why this scabby, the rat um, development is even more, I guess, pronounced here in California because we have the Moscone Act here. Just as a reminder, and we've talked about this on, on previous podcasts, but the Moscone Act gives unions in California the right to engage in. Picketing and other activities on private property, if there's a bona fide labor dispute going on, so other employers in other states don't have to deal with that private property, you know, that access issue, whereas employers here do. So, not only will unions have the right of access, but they may also have the right to, you know, bring along their friend scabby or one of the other inflatable animals that we've seen throughout the country when these labor disputes commence?
2: Knowing that general counsel or has no inclination to put any stop to the use of scabby, I think for those employers in California, we might have enjoyed a brief respite of potentially seeing that or seeing other aggressive conduct on private property or when you have disputes between a, a general contractor using potentially non-union subs. But this is something that you need to be attentive to. That is, you receive letters from unions concerning the subcontractors and things of that nature. Previously, some employers may have been or less than inclined to react or be so concerned. But if you do have Front we're facing concerns about reputation or how the public will react to potential union picketing or information, this is something that certainly needs to be considered because as it concerns this, there's no reason for a union to hold back because now they don't have any concern under the current administration that the general counsel of the NLRB will do anything to constrain that behavior.
1: Right. I think employers should just expect an uptick in the use of inflatable rats and, you know, picketing activity generally in an effort to further union organizing objectives and you know, as we've said in previous podcasts as well, in their efforts to to stem the tide of of membership decline. That remains to be seen how things will evolve as a as a result of this development, but while I have you, um, I'd also like to know, since we're not actually working on any cases together at the moment, we're both kind of on opposite ends and all over the place these days, but what are you seeing in your cases um, in California that might be of interest to our our listeners um, along the lines of developments, things that are significantly different than what, what you may have experienced in previous years?
2: The one thing I'll say is something I just concluded recently were Uh, Bargaining three contracts. And when I was at that table, the demands, I considered them more aggressive than I anticipated. And the other thing that I thought caught my attention was that the demands currently, even if you didn't give in to them, were going to create problems for the next cycle with respect to wage compression issues, dealing with potential California minimum wage issues. How, I guess, Maria, I know you're doing a lot of bargaining. What's been your experience with that recently?
1: Well, I was just going to say that the, 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 the bargaining demands, especially with regard to wage increases, have been astronomical. And I think and both employees and unions are, are very aware of what's happening in the market, both in Northern California and Southern California. Um, you know, the, uh, the struggles that employers are experiencing, you know, retaining employees and a lot of non-union employers offering all kinds of very steep, you know, sign-in bonuses um, to attract workers. And so I've seen a lot of, you know, represented workers kind of throwing that in the faces of their employers. It's just madness in terms of what's happening with regard to to wages. And like I said, I had a group of employees just this past week vote down an offer that we made, our final contract offer at the table, which was, I think, one of the most generous wage um, increase offers I've ever put on the table. Um, And our our client had no, I'm not going to say they had no alternative, but it was, you know, the wage proposals that we made were consistent with what they felt they needed to do in order to attract and retain workers. And it was voted down. um, And they, You know, the Teamster business agent called me and said it's an automatic, you know, strike vote. We don't want to strike. But I told the guys when they voted it down, even though I recommended that they approve it, that it was an automatic strike vote. So we are now grappling with, you know, next steps as a result of that development. And the same thing happened at one of my other tables um, in the healthcare industry this, this past week. So I'm seeing much more aggressive um, employee groups. It's not even so much the union. It's actually the bargaining units who are demanding sky high wages in part. At least this is what's been represented to me because of what they went through uh, during COVID um, and really not feeling like their employers demonstrated enough gratitude or appreciation and it's, it's made them pretty angry. And it's, it's had an impact on the demands at the, at the bargaining table. And like I said, we're, we're collaborating with the, with the unions to try to work things out. And it's, it's, it's interesting because it's really been the employees and not the union reps themselves, um, that, that have been, you know, the most challenging to deal with. So I think we're going to, we're starting to see, I think we're in those embryonic stages where we're going to start to see a lot more strike activity and I think employers, especially unionized employers, obviously, we really want to emphasize the importance of having strike contingency plans in place long before you start that bargaining process, because you'd be surprised you know, how quickly a strike vote can be you know, taken and you don't want to be brought to your knees um, and not have the ability to continue you know, servicing your, your customers. So that was a mouthful, but but that's kind of what I've been experiencing in, in California, mostly in Southern California, but not exclusively because a couple of my tables are up north as well. So it's it's really statewide.
2: Yeah, no, I thought that was interesting what you're saying about collaborating with the unions because on the recent contracts that I settled, they were aggressive. We were able eventually to get them over the line and there's still some things that they're trying to reach out about. But at one point, one of the union agents told me the exact same thing that you're saying. He was like, listen, I thought it was a good deal, but those members were just demanding and there was nothing we can do about it. And so it it just reflects the exact sentiment that you're saying that it's not necessarily being pushed by organized labor, but they're having control problems with respect to their units.
1: Even though the composition of the NLRB in Washington, uh, D.C., hasn't changed yet, and I know we're on the precipice of that, so we still have a Republican majority of board members, and that's going to change probably by August, Um, so soon we're going to have a Democratic majority, among the board members, we already have an acting general counsel at the NLRB who's, you know, been appointed by President Biden, and we're already seeing the trickle down in the regional offices in California. They're already starting to take more aggressive positions. Um, I have found in the investigations that I have pending in um, at least a couple of regions in in Southern California and actually up in Northern California as well. So that that's been another interesting development. I think we're gonna continue to see more aggressive actions. We can't really speak to the exact cases that we're handling, but in general, I think that's that's already you know, been the case. I don't know if you've had similar experiences or not.
2: I fortunately have been dealing with one pretty significant case. So in one regard, I haven't had to deal with a lot of the, the changing of the guard with respect to the positions. But I do know in some of the position statements that I've been receiving or not position statements, but the request for evidence letters, I noticed I was kind of surprised by some of the things that they asked for. And when I reached out to discuss them, just the board agents were less than inclined or to discuss it or very interested in the position. So it did make me feel like things were changes were afoot.
1: Thanks for your time today, Daniel. And that concludes our This is Labor in California podcast for this month. We look forward to seeing you next month.
0: Thank you for joining us on the Ogletree Deacons podcast. You can subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts or through your favorite podcast service. Please consider rating and reviewing so that we may continue to provide the content that covers your needs. And remember, the information in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as legal advice.